0: Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is 3K12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks so much for being with us today as I turn down the music far too low, the lower, much lower than I wanted to. Okay, welcome to today's show. We've got a good one for you today. I've got my good friends from uh, In here today. I've got Ian McCullough, who's been with us before. He's their director of marketing for Global secondary education and then we've got Dr. David Adamson. David is an AI scientist at Turnitin. You can learn more about Turnitin, which you know they 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 check for plagiarism and all that sort of stuff. Everybody knows Turnitin products, but we're going to be talking about AI today, artificial intelligence and K12 and how it's impacting what AI is looking at. This is really a Big part of their business now, etc., to be checking for this and all this sort of thing. How it works, is it positive, is it negative, what's going on? We're going to find out from two people who actually know what they're talking about, Dave Adams and Ian McCullough. It's going to be a great show. We're going to archive the show over at dot org. That's our American Consortium for Equity and Education. And uh, we have our equity awards program open now, early bird nominations. Go over, check it out. You'll see the icon. we got our magazine, Equity and Access. All the podcasts are over there at ace-ed.org. And I do hope you go over there, check it all out. Everything we do at ace-ed.org is all about equity, all about access, all about what's happening in K-12 today. And everything we do over there is free. So please check it on out, ace-ed.org. All right, and good morning, Ian. How are you, my friend, Ian McCullough?
1: Doing, doing well, Larry. How about yourself?
0: I'm Another good, buddy. It's a, to,
1: it we is. We need to do it's this out.
0: about this time every year. It's, it's like it's, our it's annual record. Right we need to do more. We need to do more. Winter, summer, spring, fall, yes, but it's spring today, and it is it is just great. You know you're always welcome here, my friend. And David, nice Absolutely. to meet you. Yep. Likewise. David? How you doing,
2: David Adamson, Dr. Uh, Dave? Doing great. Not actually a doctor. Actually, I quit my PhD to get into educational technology. Uh, Excuse me. Just so you
0: know this, just (laughs) so you know this, you can reapply at the University of Larry. That's me. Okay. All right. um, Well, I'll take your honorary degree. (laughs) So you may call yourself doctor from now on, Dave. Okay. All right. No problem. It's it's been done. (laughs) And actually, (laughs) what were you doing? What were you getting your doctorate in? That's a good question.
2: So uh, actually, I started my career as a high school teacher in Baltimore City uh, at Digital Harbor High School. I taught for six years, math and computer science, and then I ran away to grad school uh, in (laughs) language technologies at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, It's a computer science uh, department focusing on how linguistics and what we know about human language can apply to to computation. And actually, I did a lot of work in uh, social sciences and learning science applications of language technologies there. Uh, before picking off a, a small startup focusing on automated feedback for students, AI powered feedback for students while mm-hmm. they're writing essays yeah. before they turn it in. Well wow. and, wow. and that led me to, to turn it in itself.
0: Wow, well can I tell you all right, that's pretty good stuff. I, I, you, I, I can call you a doctor as far as I'm the University of Larry is hereby I'm like the Richard of Oz, the University of Larry hereby grants you a doctorate. You're smart enough.
2: Okay, Dr. Uh, oncology. I'll take it. <laughs> Would that... Absolutely.
1: Doctor of Lariology. <laughs> See, the Turnitin is committed to integrity, and David Adamson
0: is a paragon of it. There you, there you go. Thank you, Dr. Awesome. McCullough, for your brilliant uh, uh, analysis. Well, i get a there. too. Wow, cool. You, you, you do. Absolutely. Ian, are you kidding me? You're more than welcome. to. How many doctorates you want, Ian? You'll,
1: you and I will figure that out next time. That's you know, okay, we got later.
0: stuff to talk about. We do. We got big stuff to talk about. And Ian, I want you to just talk about Turn It In. You can do, and everybody kind of knows Turn It In, but talk about that part. And again, your global secondary education, director of marketing, but then get into yeah, the, coming on what your you guys show are doing then... with AI. Before we get into the specific stuff down in the weeds, just talk about Turn It In and then Turn It In and AI. That's big, big stuff right now. Go ahead. Yeah. Ian McCulloch, everybody. The former Thanks, Mr. Larry. Ian McCulloch. Now Dr. Ian McCulloch. Go ahead.
1: I mean this is this has been a productive big show day. already. It's a big um, day.
0: Yep.
1: The uh Turnitin has now been has now been uh serving institutions in higher education and in secondary education for twenty five years now. So uh the twenty five years old uh company that is certainly widely familiar where really at the core of what we do, we focus on questions of academic integrity and supporting student success as it connects to academic integrity. And uh, classically what Turnitin is known for is uh, helping educators identify whether or not students might be plagiarizing their essays. That is uh, what what are certainly our most famous tools. Uh, And everyone can go to turnitin.com and and, uh, check out our entire history. Um, But more recently, when we really think about student writing and where it is that students may need uh, boundaries and potentially some correction, um, the emergence of OpenAI's uh, ChatGPT over the past several months, where they they launched uh, this really just mind-blowingly amazing new tool in November.
0: It is amazing
1: it is it it is very, very, very impressive work with a huge amount of potential. Uh, but you know from a from a teaching point of view, there's a lot of temptation for students too. And so really, what we've been focused on uh, for the past you know so what the company at large, and I'll get into this in a second in a second, has been focused on for the past six months is in response to the rapid popularization of uh, AI writing, generative AI. Is equipping institutions um, to address this with students and trying to facilitate conversations. We have a a new AI writing detection capability, similar to uh, that is similar in effect to how uh, teachers have been using us to identify when students are uh, copying from other sources and not citing their sources properly. uh, That we uh, put, you know, put into the world last month and are collecting some really great feedback on so we can continue to improve it. Um, and I think the thing that I wanted to, to qualify there was I'm like the company at large over the past six months has been focused on this. But the reality is uh, that my good friend David and the AI team that he worked on have been working yep. on this particular challenge for years. And so um, as new as it is for the world, this is something where we've accumulated a lot of experience in terms of what it looks like, when students, you know, potentially are using it, and then a lot of the, the questions around it. Because, yeah, there are definitely some cases where students receive an assignment that uh, they look to take a shortcut, and uh, that's something that teachers need to be able to know so that they can address and improve. But, I mean, the more the more complicated question here is that there is such potential for uh, learning and instruction and helping educators identify where that may be relevant as well. And, and you and I can talk about that uh, in a little bit, because I want to give uh, David a chance to talk a little bit over the past of uh, what uh, where this has all come from and how long we've been working on this.
0: Yeah, well, well actually, David, well, and that's good. Ian, you. And thank you. And, David, hold on one second, but I want to say a couple of with things to you. First of all, need I be uh, Ian, Ian was very positive about AI. I loved that a minute ago. Okay, he's positive about it, okay? But I remember Terminator <laughs> three. Okay. <laughs> okay, which has me where Oh wow. And, uh, and all Terminator and, Two. I suppressed yeah, I, Terminator I saw them all. I saw them, I, saw, I, saw, I saw them all. And also I remember this phrase back in nineteen sixty nine, open the pod bay door, Hal. Okay, when the computer figured out what was going on with the mission and became more concerned about the mission than its job, okay, in 2001: A Space Odyssey. So, I know you're I know you're not old enough to you weren't even born when I saw 2001: A Space Odyssey, David. Okay, but this is what I've been through with AI, and I want I want to ask you. This is quite serious, though it sounds funny. Ian's very positive about all this. Talk to me about this from your point of view. Where are we on this? And need we worry about Terminator 3, Mr. Schwarzenegger? Go ahead. Okay. Well, David.
2: I, I worry more about uh, Terminator 2 because it was a better movie. But uh, <laughs> putting, putting I that could aside. Argue that, but we're talk
1: you you the today, technology. Right. <laughs> My Carnegie Mellon yeah. degree is in drama. I'm going to talk about your taste in movies, Larry.
2: Okay, yeah. good. There well, we go. I'll come back to Perfect. some uh, some more movie references later here as well. Uh, okay. So I think uh, actually I'll, I'll dive right in. Jurassic Park. We're not going to keep these dinosaurs on the island. Uh, you know, it's gonna life finds a way. We're going to have to coexist with That's right. uh, This new tool, this technology, just like we did good with graphing calculators and and grammar checkers. Uh, you know, they're here with us. Uh, I want to ride a dinosaur. I think that'll be really amazing. Uh, and I think students are going to be using tools like AI writers to help them as part of their writing process, to be their research buddy, to rephrase ideas that they're struggling with, to help English language learners kind of compete on the same playing field as as native English speakers, for example. So I think from that perspective, I feel just like Ian, super positive. I think the risk is in getting complacent and saying, I'm going to let this run itself. I'm going to, you know, let the dinosaurs run the theme park. Uh, And I think as long as we are teaching the next generation of scientists and leaders and engineers how to use generative AI tools responsibly, uh, just like we teach responsible use of Google searches today in classrooms, uh, I think we're gonna be fine. It's just gonna become part of our culture, just like email is part of our culture as well. These are skills and norms we get to practice and develop together.
0: But the response, for, and, I, and I, by the way, I love what you, what you guys just said in your Jurassic Park. We got to coexist, okay? I, I love that. Okay, we do have to coexist with this thing. We just, and it has, and let me the other way. It has to coexist with us, okay, oh, as absolutely. well. Which I guess is, is it, which I guess is the Terminator side of the movie, okay? The Rise of the Machines. All right, so it, it, there has to be a coexistence. Until we can coexist, okay, and uh, machines tend to, in my opinion, tend to be smarter than humans, okay, what's the response been, okay? The response seems to be Mm -hmm. from education. Some people are are hesitant, saying, oh, yeah, this is great, okay? But the people who say that to me are responsible people, all right? And there are a lot of irresponsible people out there, all right? How do we put this into the milieu of education in K-12 it responsibly. And I think that's the key word here. Dave, it's responsible. Yeah, so. And that's, by the way, this is what you guys are aiming to, to help us with. Okay. Cause, cause the word responsible the same thing is integrity. What Ian was saying. I mean, we have to, you have integrity to do this, but there are people who don't have integrity. There are systems that are not, do not have integrity. Okay, we got to be careful oh, in this one. So, There's essay yeah, so.
2: mills. There's schools that are just printing diplomas, like the School of Larry, for example. That's the that's, uh, University
0: you know, of Larry. If you're good, please. University, university there, of I Larry. Yeah, there's yeah. a K-12
2: degree as well there.
0: Yeah, so if <laughs> teachers
2: or students are going to be lazy and punt on their responsibilities, you know, that is something that's going to happen. We need to make it easy for instructors and students to follow the the most responsible path to have the, the the practices of the discipline be obviously available and to define them well. Um, I think for students, that is, like I said before, equivalent to, to just teaching basic tools, uh, engaging them, and how do you critique AI writing and identify what's missing about it? How do you fact check it? Uh, for instructors who want to not change their assignment style, they've been doing five-paragraph essays for their ninth graders for 30 years, uh, it's going to be a problem because that's something that Chat CPT does very well. And even with a tool uh, like Turnitin's detector in places to say, hey, this may be AI written, uh, they're going to have to deal with a flood of writing that maybe they can't Tell apart. Maybe they can't evaluate to the same standard because the baseline, the low water mm. mark, has risen. Uh, so I think there is a responsibility for instructional leaders in schools to reevaluate their assessment practices and say, "Do my rubrics account for assistance during the writing process?" Just like on the math side, I was a math teacher. Yeah. My yeah. kids are using calculators. Of course they are. If I send them home and I give them a graphing problem, they're going to use a graphing calculator. They might use Wolfram Alpha. Alpha. Um, I need to make sure that the way I assess is about their process and their product uh, and their understanding, not just the product, but how they got there and how they can relate it. I think we're going to see more, not necessarily oral examinations, but demonstrations of knowledge that are a little more organic, that look at a portfolio mm-hmm. of progress. I know these are not new educational practices as, as you know, no, they are not, but a lot of teachers have stuck with old ways because they're comfortable because they're easy to to grade while sipping a glass of wine in the evening with a stack of papers. But, and I'm, I'm talking as a former teacher myself, uh, <laughs> but moving beyond that to, you know, how do you engage with the content in a way that shows your whole understanding that builds that synthesis becomes more important. We have to bubble everything up. Bloom's taxonomy, uh, in, in this world where an AI can do the bottom couple of layers.
0: And can we keep up with it, Dave? Can we keep up can, as, as, te- as, as I, teachers, I actually, as teachers, can we keep up with, with the technology? Uh, we've been doing a
2: great job with technology for the past. I don't know. When was the typewriter invented for the, you know, the past hundred years, um, hundred more, years, more. uh, keeping yeah, up with technology. No yeah. Um, and I think, Every, every new thing, we, we get the same wave of panic. You know, the, you know, the four-function calculator is going to destroy math education. The grammar checker in Microsoft Word is going to make my, my kids no longer worry about how they, they write a sentence. Uh, code highlights and automatic completions in computer science courses with your, your IDEs. Uh, we're still teaching all those subjects. We're adapting. We're growing with the, the practices in the field and preparing our students to use these tools and their knowledge responsibly after school.
0: So how do you build the so – I, I think teachers ed-
2: will keep up. Oh, good. I actually, yeah, actually want to do, yeah, do a quick
1: follow-on. Yeah, I want to do a quick follow-on and kind of pose a question back to you, Larry, where sure. one of the remarkable things about ChatGPT specifically is that when you use it, it kind of – it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. But when you really look at the history here in terms of how things have been evolving, <laughs> um, uh, you, you, you know, I know you're probably very dedicated to your rotary dial phone on your desk, Larry. And, you know. <laughs> do, do, do you still dial an operator like in Maryland? I do. I do. do. 411 1 1
0: for information. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you can call yeah. date and time, too. It's, I don't yeah. even know. If I'm the, still
0: hey, you, you know, it's 60 cents to mail a letter now. I, I thought it was three cents. I went to the post I'm office. Amazing. Basically. Unbelievable. <laughs>
1: But you know, you have a smartphone or something, presumably, and if you think about the lineage, and David, keep me honest on the technology side <laughs> here, but we have all been we've been using we've been at the sort of like the word and the sentence level we've had um, for decades since like you know we've had Absolutely. decades for use of spell checking. all right, so spell checking is a thing, and then grammar <laughs> checking came along. I remember I remember you know Microsoft Word in the '90s when that came out, and you remember Clippy. Um, who doesn't remember making fun of Clippy? Uh, and uh, the, the sort of the progression here, like um, there's websites dedicated to autocomplete memes where your phone will do predictive text.
2: Yeah. sort of like, what's
1: the next word, and, uh, and on that one. And so when you really look at, at the emergence here and, and what's been happening, as amazing as some of these recent advancements seem, this has been happening all along, and we've been actually driving through and creating new opportunities. At every single step of the way. Now it's a you know feels like a huge jump from uh, say uh, auto correcting a word to auto completing a sentence to writing five paragraph essays in a very persuasive way. But behind the scenes, people like David have been looking at these sorts of challenges a long time, and people have been using
0: them. They they have been and and, and you're right. that's a good point. My question my question though is and this is again again what you guys do there's an integrity point there's an ethics behind mm-hmm. all this okay and, and we have as as educators okay and, and again teaching people how to use a tool is great education but there's got to be ethics behind that and i'm curious how we're going how does a Tool. And I want to get into this with you guys. Okay, if you want to get into this, Turnitin <laughs> has an AI writing detector. Okay, like your plagiarism detector. You have an AI detector. Okay, what is it looking for? When you do that, how does how does such a thing work? All right, and you don't have a, so you don't a have a spell and you don't have a spell check director. Okay. So so at least the person got the, got the idea right, the spelling was wrong. I could tell you stories about that from my college years. OK? Mm-hmm. All right. And, 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 but the idea was right, OK? But if, but if somebody's not thinking and just using a machine, there has to be an ethics behind it. I think. Maybe there doesn't. What's going on with that? And that, That's my question here. Have you built so, this into is- your detector?
2: That's great. So there's, there's a couple of questions there. There's how does there a the language there. model generate text? How do we detect it? And how do we communicate to an instructor, you know, what we might understand or not understand about the intent of the student or, or you know, yeah. the, the process in yeah. which they're employing it? So we, we, I don't think we can really tackle the last one yet. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean there with, with what I answer. So back to Jurassic Park. Um, you know, the scene where, uh, Jeff Goldblum puts a drop of water on, on Dr. Sattler's hand and it kind of mm-hmm. runs down. It might run down from past. He's talking about chaos, but, uh, right. a language model, it, it, a large language model is essentially Dr. Sattler's hand in this metaphor where it's learned the contours of this magic space. If you start here, where are you likely to go next? And so the deeper grooves are more likely. A language model is going to follow those grooves in your hand as a drop of water running down to uh, string together a chain of words that might follow from where you start. And there are some predictable patterns in that that aren't necessarily word for word or phrase for phrase, but how ideas connect, how the the drop winds that is related to how the language model was trained. And our detector is essentially comparing uh, during training – a body of authentic uh, academic writing against uh, AI-generated writing in the same context. So how do those paths differ? When a person's writing veers left, AI writing veers right, AI writing tends to stay in these deeper grooves on Ah, on the doctor's end as it goes. So it's not foolproof. You know, you can, of course, like you said, you can rewrite it, you can add some spelling changes, some, some paraphrases to make it less like the natural AI writing. And and that's a place where you've taken extra steps. You've done some editing yourself. You've made it more your own. Maybe we won't detect that as well. But what we're going to detect are those kind of very direct, obvious paths of AI writing over several sentences.
0: I mean, so and, and David, what do we do with that, right? okay, you go ahead. Go ahead, continue. Yes. Yeah,
2: so so what do we do? We we can say you know, hey, it looks like this this series of texts. Uh, could have come out of an AI. It's possibly AI writing. Uh, right now, in our early preview uh, that we were sharing with all of our customers, we have some some resources, some instructional resources. To say, hey, here are some ways you can have a conversation with your students. Here are some ways you can talk about AI writing in your class. Uh, what we can't do yet and say, it came from this prompt or from GPT-4 or three or from uh, Claude Anthropic's uh, LLM. We can just say, hey, this looks like it could have come from AI writing uh, as an informative tool for instructors to say, I need to think about this in my classroom or maybe pull the student aside and ask them some questions about what they understand about what they wrote. Uh, And that's about as far as we can go right now, uh, because we're not watching the student through their whole process, right? We're not watching them do draft over draft. A teacher could do that. They could have them submit. Uh, their whole process or talk about their edits uh, in a way that shows their development and understanding. Even if AI writing is, is part of the process, they can demonstrate their ideas are their own.
0: It, 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 where do you see the danger? Where do you see the danger, David? Why are people So scared of all this? And again, we have to watch Jurassic Park, and they'll get it. All you need is is uh, yeah. is uh, what, what's it like? Wayne Knight just stealing a uh, stealing some of the DNA to keep using the movie analogy, okay? And it goes yeah. into the chaos theory, okay? So what happens when the the when the bad guy gets it? What happens? What? And, and I have to ask this. There's so many questions come up. The graphing calculator okay this is Mm -hmm. the same thing the graphing calculator okay kids use that so they had to learn how to use the tool okay but the teacher has to make sure that they understand what they're looking at okay that's the difference but everybody uses the tool the but the tool works it will build a better bridge the grant literally a bridge over water it will build a better bridge okay will ai this is key Build a better, whatever we want to build, okay. In terms of intelligence, Well should we even be concerned about it? Will it build a build a better one? I don't know how to answer this question. This is like I, whew, yeah. heavy duty stuff. I I, got, I I may offer you an assist on
1: this one, Larry, and because I think that there's ahead, a direction yeah. in terms of some of the fears on on, on this. I think, in an academic setting, one of the things that I want to anchor and again this is this is something you 've stood for for a very long time, as mm-hmm. we look at the implications for student writing david already already hit on it that part of what needs to happen, just like with graphing calculators in decades past um, uh, again i you know I may not have seen. Uh, 2001 in a movie theater but I do remember uh people you know people you know like teachers being very very aware of the TI-84 and the HP graphing calculator in high school and being like all right put it away Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: and that's kind of what David's getting at but it's it's the expectation setting in terms of when is the tool use appropriate in an education setting and then we're going to get into slightly a a broader context on this one because I think that one of the things for you as an advocate of equity to think about in terms of these potential is that while responsible student use, just like with, you know, searching the internet and finding things on Wikipedia, you have to set the expectations properly. You want, you know, statements in your syllabus, Uh, go to turnitin.com. We have resources to help you with that one. Um, uh, the, The possibilities here is when you think of something that can generate coherent sentences and help students learn what effective writing might look like, think of that as a potential equity tool for struggling students. I would say on this one, um, you know, this is is in the realm of the speculation. This is Ian sort of prognosticating on on this one.
0: I love Um, it when you do that. An
1: an IEP accommodation for dyslexic students. Mm -hmm. If you struggle with writing, could these tools be useful as an equity accommodation uh you know on an IEP. I I think that there's a possibility there. Obviously that's got to be institution and individualized by nature, but that's something that as this this new world and general awareness of it uh, happens, that's where this could go. Now I think that one of the other challenges where educators have a responsibility is that uh, what David talked about in terms of of, uh, Jurassic Park and the water droplet and what it is that these large language models actually do, um, there's this perception because the language is so persuasive, is is so convincing and human-like that um, because it comes from a computer system that it's correct or the, the information behind the language is good. And I think one of the big challenges that we, not just as educators, but as a collective society have to be, have to prepare students for is that the large language model just, predicts the next you know predicts what comes next is that a fair statement david
2: yeah or it just, kind of gives yeah. you the space of what could come next uh, wait, it, explain 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 large language hand. model
0: yeah i not mean to overtalk you but explain oh large no no language model. sure
2: yeah yeah sure. good so um you know again what a large language model is is just the result of a computer looking at a whole lot of text of context of what came before and what comes after and building some kind of statistical model of what's likely to come after given the context before. Uh, there's there's bunches of, of, of wires and cross connections in the middle that kind of make it uh, kind of more able to navigate that space. But but in the end, that's all it is. It's just something that's going to predict what's, what's coming next, uh, given access to this large background of, of knowledge. But it's not – making something new. It's following familiar paths. So uh, I think the the well, onus on students and educators is to uh, respond to assignments and create assignments that leave that path, that make something new. You know, we're looking at Dr. Sattler's hand, but we're not looking at, you know, the world around <laughs> it. What's, what's the water droplet going to do when it falls into the T-Rex footprint? You know, that's something new. That's outside of the model. And if we can encourage our students to bridge to, to that uh, new kind bridge. of writing to the newer thought uh, sooner, uh, then I think, you know, they'll, they'll keep on developing. We're not, you know, just forcing them to write, you know, what everyone else has been writing for the last 30 years in order to, to grow, we'll teach them how to, to do something new.
1: If I can, uh, I want to jump in yeah. with a clarification. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of for, for members of the audience who are, are, are also digging in, we use this phrase large language model um, to, to kind of put the hierarchy into place. Uh, people are very, very familiar with ChatGPT. ChatGPT is an application. Right. Like you go to this site and you can, you can, you can type prompts into ChatGPT. ChatGPT is built upon um, now a series of large language models which are called GPT-4, GPT-3.5, GPT-3. And that that's sort of the engine under the hood of chat GPT. That's the large language model. And those large language models can power other applications. For example, um, uh, Microsoft recently is, is integrating a lot of this into uh, Bing. And this is sort of where we get into some of the, the challenges of Informational accuracy, not just linguistic accuracy, mm-hmm. which may mm-hmm. overestimate what the text actually says. And you were talking about uh, Terminator 3 and how. Yeah. I think yeah. the questions, and this is, this is a question for philosophers that we'll be debating for a long time, and we debate internally, and do, do these systems, you know, I put an air quote on here, know what they're saying? And there's, a, you know, there's an argument that in terms of perception, uh, people could say, yes, they know because they, they generate things, but they may, not, may or may not have, like, awareness the way we would think of human awareness. They do what they're told, which is generate likely language. And when we think of some of the challenges, we need to – part of what we need to teach students to do in this new age of, of artificial intelligence is be – healthily skeptical of anything that you, you read and make sure that you're confirming sources. Because just, well, we've just been because saying that for stuff. years. Yeah. We've been saying yeah, that well, for yeah, years on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this yeah. is a continuum here where the, the social and philosophical piece of this is the technology is amazing. But if people assign more to the technology than what the technology is actually doing, I mean, goodness gracious, we're heading into election year next year. And you yeah. can think about, the, the yeah. nefarious people just generating text upon text for, you know, that's just not correct.
0: Uh, could you imagine politics getting dirty? Could you imagine politics being oh my dishonest? Yeah, it's something that's, that, that, that's uh, yeah. you know, you guys got me thinking. And I Social remember media back spawning in... controversy
1: in politics? <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: tell me more. Right. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid going to the Franklin Institute in, in Philadelphia in the 1950s, the Science Museum. And uh, there was a room the size of uh, basically the rocket Gibraltar, and that was their computer. Okay, and it was quote a thinking machine. Okay, and you just Mm -hmm. just kind of brought this up. They called the computer what is a computer? People didn't even know what it was. They called it a thinking machine. Give it some information, and it can think. That's what Ian was just saying. Does it know what's happening with those air quotes? Okay, and you know what scares me about the AI beyond you know, just the, is, is, does it care? Okay, if you, it, it, and that's the difference, I think, that we've got to be very careful of. It's the ethics, the again, I'm going to get back to that word, the integrity of it. Does mm-hmm. it care? Okay, and a humans care. And I have a question, David, I don't know if any, this is, you know, could a computer, uh, an AI computer, generate the theory of relativity before Einstein had thought of it? Can it take the place of a human in that regard? Can it go that far?
2: You know, I'm, I'm going to say in that particular example. I mean, it's a little constructed because we didn't. We have data from that period of time. It's impossible to kind of tease apart uh, those order right. of events. But I, I think that kind of yeah. new science, that kind of new development, is uh, is is leaving the, the model. It, it's something new. I think what AI really... assistant tools could do for you is. Help you draw some connections. Help you find research articles or you know someone else's results. And you ask a question, it might bring some pieces together that you hadn't looked at next to each other before. I think using something like the the Bing or Bard uh, uh, search tools as a research buddy, as a as a tool to you know bring parts together is is fascinating. I think that final moment of aha, and here's, here's how it connects is, is still going to come from people at, at the risk of, you know, falling into a Philip K. Dick or Blade Runner, uh, yeah. kinds of evaluations yeah. of what, is it is to, what does it mean to be truly human? You know, yeah.
1: you know yeah. is it
2: dreaming? You know, is, is what's happening under the hood of, of an LLM more like dreaming or hallucination than it is like following probabilities? Maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, I do think for now at least, uh, we're still in the the position where people are gonna generate new ideas and new content and all that these L and Ms are gonna do is give it back to us remixed in different ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's really by the way, do robot was the old line, the robots stream of electric sheep? Wasn't that uh, Isaac exactly. Asimov? Yeah, it's, it's
1: yeah. Yeah. No, that was, it, was Philip it, K.
2: Dick and that was, was that, uh, that Dick? Was was a, that's that was the short story. So that Asimov gets into laws and constitutionally. Oh, Actually, my, uh, this high school I taught at, we had a robotics team and I, I insisted that our mascot, cause our school mascot was the Rams that our robotics team mascot was the electric sheep. Uh, and I'm <laughs> very proud of that. The kids didn't really get it, but be. I, you know, that's
0: I, great. I, I, got, I, it. I, I, I got it. I got them
2: there anyway. So that, shout that, out to the uh, Harbor high school there.
0: David, let me ask you Translating
2: this.
0: Translating
1: okay. the, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so you know, taking your theory of relativity question and David's answer and pulling it together. Well, the future is full of amazing possibilities. Talking about what the technology today does, um, you know, maybe somebody's got something in a lab, but based on what we see, um, Albert Einstein couldn't go and say, write me a theory that explains gravity. It would come back to Isaac. What it could do is, Heinrich Lorenz is coming up with some, you know, interesting thing. Einstein could sit down and say, summarize the, the findings and mathematical works of Heinrich Lorenz. And that might actually help Einstein get to general relativity. And, you know, for anybody who, who doesn't like watch science YouTube videos, I've now given you some names to do some homework on.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what was it? I can't, I can't think of was so I went blank on it just now and Breaking Bad, who was the famous... Uh, uh, uh physicist he was he was constantly saying okay nobody knew who he was still breaking so i can't think of his name for goodness you're say. talking about heisenberg heisenberg, heisenberg. Yeah, heisenberg. heisenberg. Well, uh, oh, yeah yeah not are we gonna do that, a show on be.
1: quantum mechanics for you because like david I and mean, could totally come back for that
0: wow <laughs> he's welcome to come back and he could explain it to me it'd be a 24 hour 24 year show i mean to explain <laughs> quantum physics to me okay that 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 is such you can ask ai to do that and that would blow up the machine Okay, explain AI to quantum physics. Actually, I mean, that's a that's interesting theory. application,
1: and that's a test for you and your listeners. We're sort of coming to time on this one. But no, we're not. You're fine. Give it a shot. Go to ChatGPT and say, and say explain. explain quantum mechanics to me.
0: Yeah. See what
1: happens. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, we're going to explain it ex- a step further
2: for, for yeah, any so of you know, the teachers listening here, uh, you know, don't, don't just explain something that you think is kind of a toy problem. Take the assignment that you're about to give to your students right now, take your written instructions, paste them into ChatGPT, GPT-4, and ask it to write a high-quality response and see, well, yeah. you know, how well uh, it can do with, you know, responding to your assignment prompt. And if it's going to get an A, maybe you need to revise your assignment or your assessment practices, or maybe you need to make sure that you're using Turnitin's AI detector.
0: I, I think so. We're going to plug that again in a second, but I want to just say something else here. You know, part of yeah. what a good teacher needs to do, okay, is teach students to ask the right question, mm-hmm. and maybe Absolutely. the maybe the answer isn't as important as the question, okay. And maybe that's where the AI fits in so beautifully into K twelve amongst all these other things. When you Mm -hmm. ask the the right question, it takes all the information in the world, okay? That's really what we're talking about. You can take that down to English literature about the David Copperfields. Read the book and ask AI a question about it and see what those kids have asked, okay? Read this chapter and ask AI a Mm -hmm. question. Find out what the kids have asked. And the AI is just supplying an answer to what could be that theory of relativity, OK, how does all this work? Well, how does how how come the moon stays two hundred and twenty five thousand miles, or yeah. two hundred forty thousand miles from the Earth? That type of thing.
2: OK. Yeah. It encourages curiosity.
0: Yeah. it, yeah, it really curiosity. does. It, and easier answers. OK, it's, it's it's such a fascinating thing. And so, David, where do you think it's going to go? We've got to wind down in a few minutes. Where do you think this is going to go with K-12?
2: With K twelve, I think go? it's just maybe gonna that's be, a
0: better way to put it. Yeah,
2: well, that, those those are both great questions. I think keeping it as part of the digital literacy curriculum, making sure it's kind of a fundamental tool, is absolutely necessary. And I, I'm hearing some beeps. Am I still there? Um, you're, you're here. Yeah. Okay, great. And I, I think keeping uh keeping it just as part of the practice is is going to be critical. Um, I think if we can get instructors to engage with the whole process of student writing and evaluate the drafts and the outlines that yeah. some teachers are of course already doing, but making that fundamental, I think the, the right place for using these AI tools will will drop into place in research, especially we're not going to the library anymore. We're, we're doing web searches. This is the next step uh, when you're building your research paper. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think if we do it right, then as jobs and the the world beyond education evolve to use these tools. Our kids will graduate ready to use these tools responsibly and effectively uh, throughout their whole lives. Yeah, and, boy,
0: you just said something that scared me. We're not going to the library anymore. And, you know, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it scared me. I I got to be an old fart. It scared me.
1: I'm I'm, I'm going to modify that. Students aren't starting at the library, but libraries are still vital parts of the information ecosystem. Got to speak up for the librarians in our in, in our audience. I really, I love, love them. Turn
2: it in.
0: And, and, and you they're know they're uh, <laughs> the best
2: people
0: at my schools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they I are. We all agree one, with that. But it, but it's it's it, it, again the role of the library changes the, uh, yeah. with all of this. The role of the library changes. It's it, it's not what we're doing for Ian. Do a real quick pitch for the AI for the uh, Turnitin AI detector. Talk about that.
1: No, I think on this one. um, as we mentioned, we have uh, this this capability in uh, preview phase in many of our uh, our integrity products right now, uh, so we can collaborate with educators and, and figure out what this all means so that we can figure out what the path forward looks like and we can put the, the questions around it. Because um, from Turnitin's point of view, one thing that we can say with, with certainty, we may not be able to predict exactly where all of this is going to go, because this is a huge deal. But mm-hmm. what we can say is that, you know, pretending that this is not happening is not gonna serve students at all. Like these sorts of technologies are uh these technologies are already penetrating. We have to the coexist resources.
0: with the dinosaurs. We have to coexist. We have to coexist with, the with, with the dinosaurs
1: and part mm-hmm. of the Good analogy, David is, is simply it's knowing whether or not students are, are using it and if they are using it, is it within the boundaries and expectations of appropriateness? And so where we are in, the, in this journey together as a, as a whole education community is these things are, you know, these things have existed for a while, but now they're popular and widely used and accessible. And well, so in terms of well. detection and understanding, it's, it's be, you know, when educators are empowered with information, then they can intervene where appropriate. And maybe the intervention is saying, hey, you shouldn't be using the AI detector that way. Or sorry, not using it. You shouldn't be using an AI writing tool sure. that way, to make that correct. Teachers should absolutely be using the AI AI detector.
2: Um, but you shouldn't be
1: the students say you shouldn't be using the AI writing detector that the AI writing tool that way. Um, but I think that the other possibility here, which we remain to see, is there may be cases where students could use a little help, and teacher and teachers mm-hmm. can say that you really struggled with that draft here. Have you considered using? You know, I see that you didn't use it. Will that information equip, student, you know, equip teachers to work with students to say, there's some potential help for you to improve your writing if you kind of use this as a writing buddy? That's right. And having that that's information right. can swing the other way. And so really it comes down to just knowledge and awareness when students are and aren't using it and when is that appropriate. And that's the conversation we are actively having uh, with our customers and the education community of large. It's the right tool.
0: It's a tool to be used as necessary. It's it's that simple. So I, this just came in from the University of Larry. Okay, okay. David has qualified for another doctorate during the show. Okay, oh, wow. but unfortunately, but unfortunately, it has taken back Ian's because and he will laugh at this. <laughs> if we have we have discovered we have this, back to Mister because we have discovered he is actually a roué. Oh, good lord! I'm never going to live that <laughs> one down. You weren't. Okay.
1: I oh, have to gee. say this.
0: David, David, David. Yeah. Years ago, okay, He oh, no. used – he called me a Rouet. Now, nobody knows what that word means, but I do. Okay? And we were laughing like crazy because he's the only person in the world I know who would use that word. And it's not hey, their – You
1: know, all I can say on I that one it. is I have the benefit of outstanding English teachers during my time, which expanded my vocabulary – and for the record, <laughs> for anybody who's confused, Larry's a great guy to spend time with. He is not actually – like, you know, when you greet an old friend and you're like, you won't – I love and so it. So, you and, yes, I, I invoked, I invoked uh, a I, word I, that I learned in middle school.
2: I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. And That's great. Yeah, I'll have to a, use my digital literacy uh, skills to search for that word and learn about rouette, it.
0: R-O-U-E, and it's an old term, and it's actually part of a song from the musical – you'll love this, Ian – from the musical Pippin. Okay, that word appears in the song. Which, With a... Okay. I will. Uh, Pippen, I will uh, oh, I see. Connection.
1: David and I both have degrees from Carnegie Mellon, Carnegie Mellon University. He he did computer science. I did I did theater and drama. Pippin was written by Stephen Schwartz, another fine Carnegie yes. Mellon University.
0: Song. Really? There you go. Well, yeah. Obviously, the word rué because he used that word in in, um, mm-hmm. in the song that was sung in the original thing by Irene Ryan okay that's the first famous i can't think of what it's called time to start living time to take a little from the world we're given and, and larry the, and again i i just want to be
1: clear here this was a conversation amongst old friends at this point where right. you know yeah, yes i yes. i gave i gave larry a a, a jovial a, a jovial <laughs> greeting that demonstrated mm-hmm. why english <laughs> teachers are so important in state
0: <laughs>
2: education Absolutely. I, oh, part. Part. I thought Those it might have been like a mix of flour and water that you use I, to, to thicken a sauce, but I I'm with you now.
0: Uh, so, yeah. in, in a, in a, in a, actually, I should give you I'll give you a degree, give you a doctorate in English literature for using the word properly. Okay, oh. as always, you one you, of my I'm favorite people to back, to Larry, you. I have a great time with you. <laughs> God lived that one right. day I, on I mean, really, and Doctor Adamson is invited back anytime too. He's really smart.
2: Well, thank you, Larry. Okay. I you're think, welcome. You know, Thanks I'm for a, letting me finish my PhD. <laughs> it's
0: there. It's there. Okay. Go for it. You yeah. University it of Larry. Okay. Well, will known as, well, I won't get into that. Okay. Uh, you guys take care. All right. Thank you. This was really, I really love this conversation. Right. Thank you, guys.
1: Okay. There, there's going to be a talk Larry. on this particular topic for a long
0: time. It's, it's big. All right. It's big. Okay. Thank you both. Bye, guys. Bye.
2: Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Right by my favorite Rue, Ian, Ian McCulloch from Turn It In, their global marketing, the global marketing director. And um, David Adamson is one of the AI scientists, both Carnegie Mellon guys, okay, as opposed to Honeydew Mellon. All right. And we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. This is a huge topic, okay? It's big stuff, okay? And this is just the beginning of us digging into it, okay? And it is. It's all about equity. Can we give kids more knowledge? Let's use the tools properly. I'm Larry Jacobs. Go see what we do. It's all free over at ace-ed.org. Check out Turn It In, too. Bye-bye.